0: Wisdom, the final frontier to true knowledge. Welcome to Wisdom Trek, where our mission is to create a legacy of wisdom, to seek out discernment and insights, to boldly grow where few have chosen to grow before. Hello, my friend, I am Guthrie Chamberlain, your captain on our journey to increase wisdom and create a living legacy. Thank you for joining us today as we explore wisdom on our second millennium of podcast. This is day 1181 of our track, and it is Worldview Wednesday. Creating a biblical worldview is important in order to have a proper perspective on today's current events. To establish a biblical worldview, it is required that we also have a proper understanding of God and His Word. On our Worldview Wednesday episodes, we are in a series that are covering another detailed book review from one of today's most prominent Hebrew scholars, Dr. Michael S. Heiser. We are taking a deep dive and will share Dr. Heiser's insights into the question, which is also the title of his book, What Does God Want? And today we're going to look at what the gospel isn't. In previous weeks, our discussion about the content of the gospel makes it clear that the gospel is about what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. Everlasting life, salvation, salvation, It is a gift given to those who believe what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. Our culture tries to muddle this clarity. It offers self-improvement and vague spirituality as substitutes. But the biblical description of the gospel defies such things. The gospel and salvation has nothing to do with personal enlightenment, looking within, or a journey to self-discovery. The gospel is not about exploring ideas from a spiritual smorgasbord, these are intellectual and psychological efforts and activities, but they aren't the gospel. But these sorts of alternative gospels are the easy ones to detect and eliminate. There is a much more difficult hurdle that impedes many people from resting in the simplicity of the salvation God offers. Dr. Heiser suggested earlier that a lot of people that you meet in church struggle with gospel. The reason is that they are caught in a performance trap. You, or someone you know, may be able to define the term gospel, and perhaps even the content of its meaning, but the idea that believing what Jesus did for you is a sum total of what's necessary for everlasting life just doesn't seem right. Surely we would have to do something, otherwise how could we deserve it? If you comprehend the Bible story and the content of the gospel, you should grasp immediately that we don't deserve what God offers. And that's a struggle for many people. We want to feel that we've earned the good things that we have. We don't want to be a charity case. It feels wrong to get something good without having to work for it, at least a little bit. In addition to this, guilt distorts our thinking in even more subtle ways. It can paralyze our ability to see the gospel as the unconditional gift it is. Guilt is what drives some people to justify the gift by concluding it's deserved by something that they did for the gift-giving at some point. And if they can't convince themselves of this, they determine to do something after the fact to make themselves feel deserving of the gift. Guilt blinds us to the love of God shown in the gospel. Ultimately, we must come to grips on how self-centered this thinking really is. Now this may sound harsh, but hear me out. Working hard to make someone else think your are of value requires that you focus on yourself. You can't be focused on someone else when the goal is to make another person think that you're worthy of their attention or love. We want to feel good about ourselves. That is to say, we legitimately deserve something. So we aren't taking something that does not belong to us. We also want others to feel that way about us too. In other words, we want others to give us something because of the way that makes them feel about us. The gospel strips us away and casts it aside. It exposes us, demanding naked humility. It insists the focus be entirely on God and Jesus. That is why it's a hard pill to swallow for many. It doesn't allow us to take any credit. What it comes down to is the gospel cares nothing about what you do, but cares everything about who you already are. You are a human. You are the object of God's love and plan from the very beginning. None of that requires performance. It just is. Because we're sinners living in a fallen world, we're locked into the thinking that no one would love us if they really knew us completely, inside and out. Consequently, we can't imagine God loving us, since there is nothing about us that escapes His attention. He knows our every thought, word, impulse, and deed. The guilt that creates within us, and the normalcy of our conditional relationships, makes the unfiltered love of God for us in the gospel hard to accept. From our perspective, it doesn't make sense. I should say at this point that I'm not suggesting that people who hear the true gospel and embrace it with all sincerity aren't really saved. I honestly believe that they believe and are in the family of God. What I'm describing is the soul-crushing internal life that many believers are still living. Their guilt has transformed the love and grace of the gospel into a performance-centered, merit-based experience. They begin to wonder if God still loves them like he did the moment they understood the gospel and believed it. They look at the sins that they commit as believers as reasons for God to be unenthused and ambivalent toward them. They are convinced that they can't measure up to God's expectation and wonder if they have believed enough or perhaps they didn't really believe at all when they thought they did. The sad truth is that many genuine Christians live tormented, defeated lives, not because of the gospel, but because of the way their guilt has distorted the clarity of the gospel. When they read the scriptures, they see only their sins and failures. To many, every sermon is an indictment, and shame on those preachers who preach it as their main intention. The spectacular wonder of the story gets lost and forgotten. Salvation is not about performance, it never was, never will be, and never can be. We can do nothing to put ourselves on the level of God. That is to make ourselves fit for his presence. We lack God's perfect nature. We are like God created to image him, but by definition, we are less than God, and God knows it. That is why his solution was Jesus and not you. It's absurd to think that we can bridge that gap or fill that void by doing this or not doing that. God never learns anything new about us when we fail. He's known you all along and he has still loved you right where you were and are. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says it best. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Did you catch that? While we were still sinners. You do not need to perform to a sufficient level to prod God into loving you. If you give that some thought, it really is good news. God is never disappointed with you because he never has false expectations of your behavior. God has loved you all along as we know from the most familiar verse of the Bible, John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. We can boil all this down to two thoughts. Salvation, that is membership in God's family, cannot be earned. And second, it can only be received by faith or belief. God offers it because He is gracious and loving. There is no other reason, nor there can be. And that will conclude our lesson for this week from Dr. Heiser's book, What Does God Want? Next Worldview Wednesday, we will discover, What is Discipleship? I believe that you'll find each Worldview Wednesday an interesting topic to consider while we build our biblical worldview. Tomorrow, we will continue with our three-minute humor nugget that will provide you with a bit of cheer, which will help you to lighten up and live a rich and satisfying life. So I encourage your friends and family to join us. And come along with us tomorrow for another day of Wisdom Trek, creating a legacy. If you'd like to listen to any of the past 1,180 treks or read the wisdom journals, they are all available at wisdom-trek.com. And I encourage you to subscribe to Wisdom Trek on your favorite podcast player so that each day's trek will be downloaded to you automatically. And thank you so much for allowing me to be your guide, your mentor, but most importantly, I am your friend as I serve you through the Wisdom Track podcast and journal. And as we take this truck of life together, let us always live abundantly, love unconditionally, listen intentionally, learn continuously, lend to others generously, lead with integrity,